sorry, Democrats, you're not the good guys anymore. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Quote, Human madness is oftentimes a cunning and most feline thing. When you think it fled, it may have become transfigured into some still subtler form. Herman Melville, Moby Dick. In 2016, Donald Trump became the 45th president of the United States. Like all presidents, he was elected to do the best job he could in service of the American people. Our elections are meant to tell our government what we want. But somewhere along the way, we've lost touch with what this country was designed to be. A constitutional republic, not a democracy. The ideal of a democracy is universal equality. The ideal of a constitutional republic is individual liberty. A democracy always degenerates into dictatorship, which promises government-guaranteed equality and security, but it delivers nothing but poverty and serfdom for the people it robs and rules. America was founded as a constitutional republic to safeguard the liberties of the people against the tyranny of democracy or of one-man dictatorship. In this century, great strides have been made toward the goal of subverting our republic into a democracy. The foremost tactic of the subverters is subversion of language. By calling America a democracy until people thoughtlessly accept and use the term, the totalitarians have obscured the real meaning of our principles of government. We don't go through the trouble of elections to then have them systematically undermined because an administrative state and an elite ruling class doesn't like dealing with someone they can't control. We don't spend four years throwing everything at our elected leaders to see what sticks. We don't send our Department of Justice to raid the home of a former president to find something. We don't punish our elected leaders just for the crime of winning. We don't indict them on ticky-tack procedural matters because the person now in the White House is too weak and too unpopular to win a second term. In this country, it's supposed to be a fair contest between those who win the primary elections. Putting that heavy of a thumb on the scale is corruption on a level we've never seen, at least not in my lifetime. What's next? Is every outsider politician going to get the same treatment? Will they continue to pervert the justice system, weaponize the DOJ, and play partisan politics on the people's dime? We all deserve so much better than that, which is why it is long past time to rise up and vote them out. From Tablet Magazine's must-read opus, quote, Two criteria define membership in the ruling class. First, as Michael Lind has written, it is made up of people who belong to a homogeneous national oligarchy, with the same accent, manners, values, and educational backgrounds from Boston to Austin and San Francisco to New York and Atlanta. America has always had regional elites. What is unique about the present is the consolidation of a single national ruling class. Second, to be a member of the ruling class, it is to believe that only other members of your class can be allowed to lead the country. That is to say, Members of the ruling class refuse to submit to the authority of anyone outside the group, whom they disqualify from eligibility by casting them in some way illegitimate, end quote. So much of what is covered in that brilliant piece by Jacob Siegel 
was coming to me fast and hard in the darkest days of 2020. In the middle of all of it, as I watched a unified mob of bottomless rage and dehumanization coming from my side, all aimed at one man and those who supported him, the words that tumbled out of my mouth were these, we're not the good guys anymore. I have a confession to make. Some of the confession is already out there, having dripped through what I've said on here over the weeks and months just past, but I should be more frank. For most of my life, I was unaware and therefore silent about so much that's wrong. Events unfolded and I was too busy in my own little world. I missed what was happening for much too long, but not knowing is not enough. Ignorance is no defence. Just the other day, someone mentioned The West Wing, the US drama series about the fictionalised goings-on in the White House. I watched episodes of that show more than once over the years. We have the box set. Now I can't look at it at all, and I doubt if I will ever look at it again. Sounds like a silly detail in the scheme of things, but The West Wing is one of many trivialities I can no longer bear because each is a reminder of a bigger problem. The West Wing belongs to that time when I took it for granted, just as a for instance, that a Democrat White House meant the good guys. But that was then and this is now. It's not just the West Wing, of course. There are whole piles of movies and TV shows I can't look at now because the sight and sound of them makes me cringe with the memory of my naivety and my downright dumbness during the years when I enjoyed them. Admitting naivety and dumbness is a damned hard bullet to chew. So much of what's wrong in the world is moving faster and faster. But all those neoliberal stooges in their tiny, tiny suits with their good hair and hundred grand wristwatches the ones that all went to the same sort of schools and belonged to the same sort of private clubs that were mentored by the same elderly ghouls and so have the same connections to the same transnational entities and corporations. All those identical placemen and women pretending to care about equality and diversity while focused only and always on playing their parts in securing yet more wealth and power for others like themselves. All of them are running scared now and for good reason. We were the side that convicted Trump as a racist and a rapist and had certainty in that. It drove the media narrative for months, spreading like a virus through the minds of the young. They were already afflicted with a kind of mass hysteria that hit the left around the time of the rise of the Tea Party. People rising up to challenge Barack Obama? What could it possibly be if not racism? My wish to rid black neighborhoods of crime, get black children access to quality education, build the CEO mindset in black children makes me a Neanderthal, an Oreo, an Uncle Tom, a sellout, a tool of the white man, a sufferer of Stockholm syndrome, a cracker lover, a black man who dates white women, Clarence Thomas, and a race trader. Of what race? The human race? One thing that Democrats don't want to discuss is their history of race, and their history is repeating because Democrats have re-enslaved America, and, this, and uh, this time is not just catching blacks, it's catching whites as well, it's catching everybody. And that's why I call 2010 emancipa- Emancipation two. this time even the white folks get freed. The other day Obama appeared on The View and he actually called black people mongrels. The left blatantly allows criminals who intimidate voters to go free, appoint avowed racists to high-level government positions and make every piece of legislation racial, yet they want to sell the idea that the Tea Party has a fringe of racism. They say that their icons only dabbled in racist organizations like the KKK, the progressive movement, eugenics, slavery, and the denial of civil rights, asking us to believe that fat meat ain't greasy and rattlesnakes make good house pets. They say they are not elitist as they park their yachts in sanctuary states, 
make money trading carbon credits as they fly in their private jets, many at taxpayers' expense. But this delusion that racism was coming for Obama began to trickle down into the public consciousness, and the early stages of a full-blown mass hysteria event were beginning to percolate. Evergreen College was a warning sign of what was to come. Many of us just didn't realize, though, how bad it would get, how bad it is now. Have you seen what's happening out there? Hello! These racist teachers have got to go! Why the f*** is he here? Have you even bothered to look? I'm forced to conclude that you must not fully understand what has happened because if you did fully understand what has happened, you would be forced to act in the interest of Evergreen. It's not an accident that all of our administration is white. My biggest concerns with directly what's been happening in this past spring are the lack of viewpoint diversity. If you have any sort of, offer any sort of alternative viewpoint. These white ass faculty members need to be holding him and him and all these people accountable. And you're kind of the enemy. There's a white group, but this is not a discussion. You have lost that one. So I feel like people are becoming more violent and the campus is becoming more of an unsafe place. Um, Evergreen and most institutions are built on a racist model, um, and Evergreen claims to not be part of that process and has done very damaging things to its students of color, particularly its black students. I've actually been labeled a racist and a white supremacist, and if anyone took the time to actually know me, it's not true at all. Um, but. That's what I've been labeled as. Do you know that the college descended into literal anarchy and that for days the campus was not under the control of the state? It was under the control of protesters. Um, and so we are here demonstrating taking student control over an institution that we're paying to be at to make sure that our needs are being met. That there were assaults, there were batteries, there was pressure not to report crimes to the police. People were, by the legal definition, I believe, kidnapped and imprisoned. They are in that room, and we did something wrong. So you all need to watch that door, watch all the doors, watch the windows, you need to keep eyes on them. And somebody needs to go in that room real quick to make sure that there's no way to get that room for them. Bands roamed the campus. Hey, she's got to go, hey, hey, ho, ho, quit wise, she has got to go, hey. Police were physically and intentionally blocked by protesters. Police were cruelly, systematically, and personally taunted. They were humiliated and forced to stand down by the president. Students that held different opinions were, by the protesters' own analysis, stalked, harassed. I've been told several times that I'm not allowed to speak because I'm white. Guys. Oh, this is public campus. Um, this school seems to focus so much on race that is actually becoming more racist in a different sort of way. Before the election, the hysteria over Trump and racism boiled over into actual violence. When you hear people talk about the Proud Boys showing up with guns, much of that was because of the ongoing attacks on Trump supporters, and they believed that they had to offer them protection. But now they were racists too. Racists, racists, everywhere. 
George, this was one of the most violent scenes I have ever witnessed at a Trump rally. At times, it seemed like the police had no control of the situation. People were getting beat up right in front of them. And these were not clashes. These were pure attacks. Trump supporters, men, women, even the elderly, left this building last night and walked right into danger. Overnight, all-out brawls outside the Trump rally in San Jose, California. Trump supporters harassed, beaten, and bloodied by mobs of protesters. They were like spitting on me and stuff. This man says he was sucker punched, his clothes torn off his back. Seven more people just come in and start punching me. Carl, I look pretty bad. This lone female Trump supporter tried to stand her ground. Her sign torn from her hands, her glasses ripped off, then shoved in her face. A woman wearing a Trump jersey cornered and then egged in the face. Fights breaking out in the streets all over the convention. Inside, Trump spoke to a large and welcoming crowd. When Trump won and the violent protests erupted, there was a sense by people in our government that all of it was okay, allowable, and understandable. Now think about Evergreen and put the two together. Even if you think it was allowable when Trump won, it then became allowable whenever they didn't get their way. And I'm not talking about our constitutional right to protest. I'm talking about violence and intimidation. And of course, since they've now used January 6th to flip the script, they've successfully managed to silence dissent by scaring Trump voters away from their own constitutional rights to protest. They know that they're going on a list, and the FBI won't be far behind. Does that sound like America to you? The violent riots from the left will continue, and even escalate, because they have been told over and over that it's allowable as long as they see themselves as the good guys, and the other side as the bad guys. Whatever the issue, they will use force to get what they want. The crowds showing up to protest the laws in many of the red states, banding gender-affirming care or demanding gun control, illustrate perfectly how this new brand of protester from the left thinks that all they have to do is what they did at Evergreen and in the summer of 2020, and the government will meet their demands because they always have. But what happens if the government doesn't? For podcast listeners, we're looking at a tweet from Jerodoc. I really don't like living through historical periods like this. Culturally, I have far more in common with coastal progressives. These are people I've worked with and gone to school with my whole life. I'm an agnostic atheist. Socially, I'm generally extremely liberal, legalize all drugs, marry who you want, etc. I used to laugh at their political and social excesses as them simply being misguided cultural descendants of the 60s counterculture. But it's different now. The highly flawed Donald Trump scared the shit out of these people because he represented the white-hot anger of middle America, the giant mass of the white working class who the coastal liberal elite have treated with derision, disdain, and dismissal for the last 30-plus years or so. The hippy-dippy progressive descendants of the 60s counterculture have wholeheartedly embraced all the tools of brutal, authoritarian statecraft they have at their disposal now. A mass digital censorship propaganda apparatus 
They are openly, in front of our eyes, attempting to formalize and institutionalize, to use against the unwashed masses should they rise up again. They also have shock troops, groups designed to violently intimidate people into politically falling in line. They are radicalized in colleges and higher education. Groups like BLM are allowed to burn and terrorize cities. And radical gender theorists now openly talk about genocide being perpetrated by Christians for simply wanting to be in charge of their children. They are whipping up violent leftist brown shirts, essentially, in order to enforce their regime. This is a sickening time in American history. I don't like living through neo-Maoist cultural revolutions. They do not end well, historically, end quote. Captain Ahab. Wait to read the charges is what the American people are being advised ahead of Tuesday's indictment of the first American president. In their ongoing fantasy melodrama, a black man will finally bring down Trump. But really, he's more like Captain Ahab on a doomed mission to, at long last, capture the elusive Moby Dick. Human history is littered with societies, with nations, with states, with tribes, with counties that are ruled by dictatorial fiat. And that's the reality throughout human history. And here comes the West following, you know, a a long trajectory of uh, liberating values. And you create societies where for the first time ever, you truly have individual dignity, freedom of speech, freedom of inquiry. You have what makes the United States great is that you have these unbelievable values, deontological values, deontological principles that were unassailable for a very long time. And the greatest danger to the United States, and I, I only use the United States because it is the most powerful nation, certainly over the past century at least. What makes the United States so great is that you, these values were unassailable. Now, that doesn't mean that the United States did not have, you know, a checkered history. It doesn't mean that it's a perfect society. But at least, you know, the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, there, there are enshrined principles there that made sure that everybody from around the world looked at that model, that epitome of how a society should at least be organized and said, I want to be a part of that. That's why till today, people are trying to get in from all over the world. They're not running to get to Cuba or to North Korea or to Russia or to China. They're trying to get into the United States because of those values. Now, what's happened over the past, well, I would argue that the problem has been happening, as I explained in the Parasitic Mind for a while, these idea pathogens that have spread, all of which were proliferated on university campuses and now they are normalized in every nook and cranny of society. What has happened is that most people in power, and I hate I hate to say it, but it's the truth, leftist politicians are fully orgiastic in their commitment to consequentialist ethics. So going after Donald Trump when it is a violation of deontological principles to be going after him 
is unimportant because getting rid of him is more important according to their calculus therefore you have a, a sham first impeachment you have a sham second impeachment before these impeachments you had a sham russia 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 you now have a sham indictment any decent person again people think that you know i'm a trump guy i mean how many times do i have to repeat it i truly don't have a vested interest in trump or in the republicans or- most white people in power now hide behind black people and they're surely doing that now with bragg who has become both their hero and their fall guy all of those great men and unmarried successful career women are now reduced to the color of their skin. Their legacies now depend on being good allies, stepping out of the spotlight and hiding behind a person of color for absolution. Sure, there's still a white guy as president of the United States, but he's just one election went away from stepping down and putting in power the first black Asian who identifies as female president of the United States. And there you have it, a grand plan, a legacy at long last. Joe Biden will not be forgotten. He'll always be remembered as one of the good guys, and no one will disabuse him of that notion as the scene fades to black. No matter what else happens, this indictment has exposed them for who they really are. And that means they might win the battle, but they won't win the war. The only people who should decide whether Donald Trump should represent them the American people. If Democrats can't find exciting candidates who can beat Trump, that is on them. Enough is enough. In each episode of Mass Hysteria throughout history, there comes a time when it's obvious the witch hunters have gone too far. This was accusing the governor's wife of witchcraft in Salem in 1692. How ludicrous, thought the governor. After 200 people had been accused and 20 of them died using something called spectral evidence. That is what you can't see but can only imagine. Once the governor eliminated it, the witch trials collapsed. When Joseph McCarthy went after the military, Eisenhower saw he'd gone too far and set about undoing the hysteria that was affecting American life, making us accuse one another and fracture our country people somehow found the courage to confront McCarthy, and eventually the hysteria evaporated. Now with the indictment of a former U.S. president, there is a sense at long last that they've gone too far. Even those who hate Trump are starting to speak out, though not many on the left just yet. One thing we know for sure is that history will not be kind, because it never is. And as the Nicole Wallaces and Rachel Maddows and Joe Scarboroughs and Lawrence O'Donnells and Journalist blue checks on Twitter wait out Tuesday's mugshot. They're starting to look like themselves, finally. Masks off, eyes glistening, mouths watering. It's like that scene in Carrie when Nancy Allen can't wait to pull the rope and dump the pig's blood on the prom queen. But Carrie was a cautionary tale, an F-around-and-find-out kind of story that warns bullies that you can sometimes take things too far, and everyone ends up rooting for Carrie. I learned almost everything from movies. I learned most of all that I wanted to be on the side of the good guys. Like Jimmy Stewart in It's a Wonderful Life, Humphrey Bogart in Casablanca, and Sally Field in Norma Ray, and Jane Fonda in The China Syndrome, 
And of course, Andy Shepard in An American President. America isn't easy. America is advanced citizenship. You've got to want it bad because it's going to put up a fight. It's going to say, you want free speech? Let's see you acknowledge a man whose words make your blood boil, who's standing center stage and advocating at the top of his lungs that which you would spend a lifetime opposing at the top of yours. You want to claim this land is a land of the free? Then the symbol of your country cannot just be a flag. The symbol also has to be one of its citizens exercising his right to burn that flag in protest. Now show me that. Defend that. Celebrate that in your classrooms. Then you can stand up and sing about the land of the free. I've known Bob Rumson for years. Aaron Sorkin's template for the great man defined what the Democrats would be going forward. We were the good guys and they, the Republicans, were the bad guys. It should shock no one that this film was directed by none other than Rob Reiner, who can now be seen living in obscurity, marinating in the insular fame of blue-check Twitter as he bleats his pronouncements into the void and waits for the cavalcade of hearts and RTs. For podcast listeners, a tweet by Reiner that says, He broke campaign finance laws. He stole classified documents. He incited a violent insurrection to overthrow the government. He disdains democracy in favor of dictatorship. This is the man the Republicans want as their president. Not going to happen. End quote. They used to be the party of the working class. Now they've lost them. They used to pride themselves on being outsiders. Now they're the very definition of insiders. Their obsession with Trump has hollowed them out transformed them into nothing more than a superficial shell that still takes the shape of what it used to be, but when you reach for it, it shatters into a million tiny pieces. Trump, who never postured moral superiority, never sold himself as a good guy, but instead sold himself as a fighter who can take it and take it and take it and take it some more and remain standing. Imagine any of them, from Rob Reiner to Joe Biden, having to deal with just one day as Trump. And this indictment is the chef's kiss. It proves everything Trump said about them was right. It proves how punitive, petty, and corrupt the Democrats have become and how delusional. For Trump, it's a long, low softball down center plate that he's about to turn into a grand slam. So get this. So Donald Trump has responded to this indictment, okay. this sham indictment that everybody from the president of Mexico to Glenn Greenwald, to the Speaker of the House, to pothead comedians, and most of Americans can see this as a political prosecution. But Democrats are okay with it because it, they feel like it's it's not their guy. So Trump has already responded, and here's Trump's response. Uh, you tell me what you think of it. I think it's pretty devastating. Let's watch. Your probe into the Russia collusion hoax. President Trump has just been impeached on both Article The only and- president of the United States to be impeached for a second January time. January 6th committee releasing its final 845-page report. Former President Donald Trump has been indicted. Remember this. Nothing worth doing ever, ever, ever came easy. Following your convictions means you must be willing to face criticism from those who lack the same courage to do what is right. Relish the opportunity to be an outsider. 
Embrace that label. Being an outsider is fine. Embrace the label. Because it's the outsiders who change the world and who make a real and lasting difference. The more that a broken system tells you that you're wrong, the more certain you should be that you must keep pushing ahead. This is a party that wants an outsider badly. I continue to believe Mr. Trump will not be president. You must keep pushing forward. Never, ever give up. There'll be times in your life you'll want to quit, you'll want to go home. I can't do it. I can't do it. Just never quit. You will build a future where we have the courage to chase our dreams no matter what the cynics and the doubters have to say. You will have the confidence to speak the hopes in your hearts and to express the love that stirs your souls. And you will have the faith to replace a broken establishment with a government that serves and protects the people. They're not coming after me, they're coming after you. I'm just standing in their way. And I always will stand in their way. That, that is the gift they just gave Donald Trump. He gets to look like the outsider. He's a billionaire who had his own network television show for 10 years. He he's now gets to position himself as an outsider who's fighting for you. They're coming for you. They're just, but they're going to have to go through him first. He's gonna, <laughs> it's like, holy shit. I mean, they just handed this to this guy. Can you imagine? Like... Heading into 2023, our government looks a lot less like Sorkin's and American president and much more like a little scene movie directed by Clint Eastwood called Absolute Power. There are no heroes to be had here, just a corrupt government of criminals protected and insulated from justice. Back then, Saturday Night Live was willing to challenge the most powerful people in the world, including Bill and Hillary. Absolute Power, Clint Eastwood's film of murder and political corruption, continues its strong showing at the box office. Here with his review is update movie critic and 42nd president of the United States, Bill Clinton. Thank you and God bless you all. Norm, director Clint Eastwood's latest film opens promisingly enough the President of the United States, played by Gene Hackman, is having a rendezvous with his mistress at the home of her wealthy husband. So far, so good. <laughs> but suddenly, everything goes to hell for the two lovers, and for us, the audience, hearing the sounds of rough sex and believing the President to be in danger. Secret Service agents burst in, shooting the president's mistress dead. I almost walked out right then. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't, Norm, because this movie is one big steaming piece of pony loaf. <laughs> I did not like this movie. Oh, 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 now, Mr. President, it couldn't have been that bad. Oh, come on, Norm, it was that bad. And what drives me crazy is here you got all the makings of a great motion picture. You got the president of the United States and an attractive young mistress. And what do they do in the first 
five minutes. They kill her off. They kill off the mistress. Why do that? Why? Well, <laughs> well, well what should they have done? What should they have done differently, Mr. President? Norm, it seems to me, if I were making a film about a murder and cover-up at the highest levels of government, you choose a more compelling victim than the president's mistress. Like, like who? The president's wife. <laughs> to me, that's obviously the way to go. And yeah. they blew it. They blew it. I see what you mean, Mr. President. Uh, yeah, the first lady... You know, her being murdered would be a bigger deal, wouldn't it? Exactly. If the president's mistress disappeared, who would know? But if the first lady were suddenly to vanish, how would the president explain it? And would the public buy his explanation? If not, what kind of explanation for his wife's disappearance would they buy? <laughs> Haven't you ever wondered about these things? <laughs> Don't you ever think about stuff like that? I guess you're right. I, I can see the I can see the possibilities. Oh come on! It's obvious to anyone. The first lady murdered. There's your movie. <laughs> but unfortunately, screenwriter William Goldman would rather kill off a beautiful young mistress whose only crime was lacking rough sex. Oh come on, <laughs> Mr. President. Come Mr. On. Goldman, if you're out there watching, you should be shot <laughs> and your body dragged to a park to make it look like a suicide. Oh, come on now. But minds like that, like Clint Eastwood's, aren't grown in America anymore. Instead, we get them mushy, coddled, and afraid. Helicopter parents and big pharma micromanage them. They are told words are harm, so don't read Dr. Seuss. Don't read Roald Dahl or Agatha Christie. Not until we wipe clean any evidence that people were ever worthy of mistakes. Don't read Mark Twain or Flannery O'Connor or Harper Lee. Steer clear of movies directed by problematic men. Never watch Chinatown or Annie Hall. Clean your mind, make it pure, so that all you can see is what we put in front of you, cleansed and compliant, sensitivity reader approved. Who could forget Saturday Night Live after Hillary lost? They took a side even then that said, we're the resistance, and those on the outside, left behind by our culture, our government, and Hollywood, will now spend four years being mocked by us. They will be made to pay for daring to participate in democracy. I was listening to Bob Dylan's Like a Rolling Stone and thinking about the real resistance. Us. Those on the outside who are now on to the game. When you ain't got nothing, you got nothing to lose. You're invisible now. You've got no secrets to conceal. I was thinking about a mind like Dylan's and how we don't live in a country anymore that would find him, celebrate him, sell his songs... He would have to fit into some kind of dogmatic, aspirational definition of the America the utopians want, defined only by his skin color, his gender expression, 
his sexuality, and if he somehow managed to break free from it and wrote songs about them, he would be exiled. This is the house the Democrats built. This is the suffocating hole in the ground they want all of us to jump into. They want us to like all of that fake euphoria because all of them have been saved. The price we will be made to pay is to renounce our freedom to vote for the person we believe best represents us. The price we'll have to pay is everything. This indictment, like so many accusations and charges against Trump, is based on spectral evidence, imagined intent, by people who genuinely believe they can see witches. They think this indictment makes them look like the good guys they have pretended to be for so many decades. And maybe they were once, but now everyone sees just how weak they are, how sad it all has become how much they've distorted and perverted American democracy just to push out the guy the working-class voters wanted instead of them. All that tells me is that they don't know this country anymore. They don't know who most of us are out here in the outer regions, who are looking at their shrinking bubble of totalitarianism and are much happier building a gulag this side of paradise, and we're ready to use our vote to tell them exactly what we think of them. Thank you for listening to my Substack, sashastone.substack.com. And remember, to thine own self be true.